Okay, Father, thank you this morning that we have the privilege and the opportunity to come and hear the word of God, Lord. Just thank you for that. Thank you for the truth of Romans 10, verse 17. Faith, absolute dependence upon God, upon Christ, upon his word, comes by hearing. Hearing, hearing, submission, and coming, and in, in hearing by the word of by the word of God, by the really what it says is the preaching of the message that God has for the individual. Father, thank you that, uh, just thank you for the, for the word and for those that are here that have uh, chosen to walk in obedience, to hear the word of God, to take advantage of the opportunity. Father, thank you so much in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Now in Mark, I, I posted this, these uh, things this morning as God had me to do so as he was bringing the word uh, to me personally and hopefully and prayerfully and dependently he will uh, bring this truth to us again. We had such an awesome time in uh, Peabody, the Boston area, the North Shore, where we had the word in such a depth of fellowship and uh, such a flow of the love. And, and because it was based upon, honestly, it was based upon the hunger of those that came, that they knew that they couldn't meet their own need. So they made a decision to come and to hear the word. And boy, was it beautiful. Just the flow of the word, the flow of his love and healing through oneness it was just so incredible. And as I've said, I just, I haven't experienced the beauty and flow of, of his word like that in some, some time. But I'm thankful for the word. And this morning, and, and we'll read in Mark the 8th chapter, and I'm going to read certain verses this morning. In Mark the 8th chapter, in verse 22, it says, And he came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man unto him, and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. Notice that? He led him out of a, out of a certain place to bring him into another place. <laughs> it's very interesting this morning. He took him and he led him out of the town. That's what God has to do with believers. He has to lead them out of the particular place where they think life is and where they're living. He has to lead them out. He led him out of the town and when he had spit on his eyes, put his hands upon him. And putting his hands upon him, he asked him, did he see anything? And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. After that, he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up. You see the difference? There's a difference there. First, Jesus asked him, after he did that, to look up. But then, and then he saw, when Jesus asked him to look up, he just saw men, they were like trees walking. What a definition. I see men, but they're like trees walking. You ever see a tree walk before? But that's how we saw them. But notice in verse 25, after that, he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up. And notice what it says. This time he made him look up. He gave him the ability to look up. And it says he was restored. You know, that's what, that's what God does. And then it says this, and saw every man clearly. That's what God does when we come to hear the word of God. Because otherwise, we just see details through our own understanding and look at our details, our circumstances, and our situations, places we're going, things that we're going to do, the plans that we've made. And we look away from him. And apart from him, we see just men as trees. Things just don't make sense. But we still go forward. But when he made this man look up, he was restored. That's what God does when we come to hear the word. 
He has to restore our vision, <laughs> restore our sight so that we can see clearly. And when he restores us, and only he can do that, and that's what it means when the word of God is being taught, then we see everything clearly. And seeing everything clearly, we see through his eyes how he sees things. Otherwise, this is what can happen to us. It says this in Mark chapter 7 and verse 13. This is what it says. Making the word of God of none effect through your tradition, which you have delivered, and many such like things do you. Tradition here, and he's speaking to the Pharisees. He's speaking to them as he would speak to us when we look away from him and those that are his, when we look away from him, he's no longer restoring us, but when we look away from him, we go by tradition, just things the way we are used to doing them without him. Even though in measure, he's given us the word and put his hands, the substance of his own self upon his hands of grace, puts it on our eyes. But we still need to be restored. We need to be restored. We need to, all of us, need to be restored. Or otherwise, we go by tradition. Things the way we're used to doing them, even in a religious sense, like the Pharisees, and we can do that in the flesh. Tradition, we're just used to doing things the way that we do them. And then we suffer the consequences of those decisions. But thank God he's always there to be gracious and always there ready to restore our sight. Tradition, tradition, like Christianity today, how we do certain things, how we were taught how to do them, how to have our own plans, and even things, even apart from the order of God's local assembly. I just, for, and as in my growing in grace, for the life of me, I don't understand how a single person thinks that they can function apart from a local assembly. I, that would be like a finger functioning apart from the rest of the body. I just don't know how that happens. And yet the enemy will form these plans. Listen, this morning, folks, listen, the most important thing about us is to hear the Word of God, to come and hear the Word of God. It's the most important thing about us. Nothing else is more important. Matthew 4, 4, Luke 4, 4, Deuteronomy 8, verse 3, Job 23, verse 12, Job said, I esteem his word more than my necessary food, more than the plans that I think are so necessary. Oh, Lord, help us, Father. Help us to grow in the intimacy of a personal relationship with you. Thank you, Lord, for that. Now, we read in Matthew 15 and verse 14. Matthew 15 and verse 14. Okay, Matthew 15 and verse 13, it says this. But he answered and said, every plant, which my heavenly Father has not planted, will be rooted up. See, we have plants, things planted in us, in the flesh, that need to be rooted up. How many really appreciate that? You read Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 5 through 10, to get a clearer understanding of what it means about roots. Those roots are brought out in 2 Corinthians 10, 4, and they are called strongholds strongholds they need that every plant my father has not planted will be rooted up verse 15 at uh, verse 14 of Matthew 15 let them alone notice that so why certain individuals certain Christians that are his need to be alone because they all of us but they in particular, and all of us together, need to learn alone that we can't live without each other in a body in a local assembly. Let, but let them alone. We've said before, 
through the preaching and teaching of the Word as the Holy Spirit takes those things of Christ and begins to make them clear to us in our sight, in our understanding, that there's two reasons why we need to be alone. We never have to be lonely, those that are Christ in Christ. Never have to be lonely, but we do need to be alone because there's two things he's going to teach us when we're alone. When we think we can live without him and without the body, he needs to teach us that those are the areas of the flesh that need to decrease in John 3, verse 30, so that we can have an increase. And those are the two things he's constantly teaching us. When we're alone, this is not who you are, that's the flesh, needs to be dealt with, rooted up, so that it's not just, not just dealing with surface areas, and that's what a lot of believers become satisfied with dealing in their life, surface areas, when what causes those surface areas are roots that have never been pulled up. It's something that God hasn't himself planted. It's not who they are in Christ. It just isn't. And no matter how much it's resisted, it still doesn't change the reality. Oh, God. No wonder Jesus said in Matthew 18, 20, we're two or three, and this is where we are today, folks where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst. There am I in the midst. Let them alone. Let them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into the ditch. What's the ditch? Here's the ditch. Now we turn to Psalm the 40th chapter, and I'll read these verses to you. And as God brings them to all of us together, so that all of us together can have our sight, how to see things clearly, not by our circumstances and situations and schedules and plans apart from Him, but how we can see clearly Him. If I don't see Him today in a personal way, what do I know? This is Psalm 40, verses 1 and 2 and 3. I waited. In waiting, the Hebrew says, I waited. In waiting, in waiting, I waited. That's what it says. For the Lord, I waited for the Lord. How many don't wait for him? They run ahead. Other things occupy them constant. Other things occupy them. I waited in waiting. I waited patiently for the Lord, the Lord, and he inclined unto me, and he heard my cry. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit. Horrible pit here literally means a pit of noise. That's the ditch where the blind that lead the blind, they fall into a ditch. They fall into a pit of noise. Everything becomes now, instead of life and peace, in 1 Corinthians 14.33, becomes confusion. Why? Fall into a pit. Oh, God. Other things take precedence over him. Other things take precedence over him. He brought me also up out of a horrible pit of noise and confusion, out of the miry clay. I couldn't. I couldn't. There's a lot of movement. There's a lot of plans, a lot of thoughts, but they're not leading me anywhere but to a ditch. And he set my feet upon a rock. That rock is Christ himself in the individual. That's Matthew 16, 18. That's 1 Corinthians 3, 10 and 11. He set my feet, my dependent walk in him, in every single detail, circumstance, and situation upon a rock and established my goings. He, the Lord, established my goings and by that restored my sight to see things properly and in their proper order and to see that he has preeminence in Colossians 1 and verse 18. Not other things, not my feelings, not my emotions, not my rationalism, 
Isaiah 33 and verse 6 says, And wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your times. You'll be stable. You'll know how to think. And strength of what? Strength. Notice that. Strength of salvations. Constant deliverances. Constant deliverances. And the reverence of the Lord is his treasure. Notice that. That's why it says there, again, very clearly, he establishes my goings. You know, man's goings in Proverbs 20, 24 are of the Lord. How is it that, then that a man can understand his own way? I'll tell you how. Proverbs 23, verse 26, my son, my daughter, give me your heart. Heart there is where we treasure up things. It could either be Christ or something that replaces him. Read Matthew 6, 19, 20, and 21. Because we do, if you are a believer, you've received Christ. You have the treasure of God himself and his son in your vessel in 2 Corinthians 4, 7. And what would replace him? Things that the enemy gives us to replace him. The, the reverence of the Lord is his treasure. He's established my going, and you know what? Now he puts a new song in my mouth. Even praise to God, many will see and reverence and will trust in the Lord. See, a new song. Instead of woe be is me, woe is I, woe is me, oh me, oh me, everything about me, my schedule, my everything, oh me, oh my, what a song that is. He puts a new song in our mouth. You know why? Sometimes we need to be alone with him in the night so that he can give us a song in Job 35 and verse 10 and Psalm 77 and verse 6. This is the word of the Lord this morning. This is the very word of God. The word of God. And I want to say another thing about the word, the very word that we are hearing this morning. And I want to make this very, very personal because as God has made it personal to me, I'm going to read the scriptures here. This is 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 11. As you know, we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his children. We need spiritual dads. 1 John 2, 12 to 14. Babes and young men and women, baby women and, and men that act that way, and babes, young men and young women need spiritual dads. Need them. As a father does his children, that you should walk worthy of God, who called you unto his kingdom and glory, his reigning, his ruling and glory, for this cause also thank we God without ceasing. Because here it says, because this, this is how we are comforted. This is how we walk worthy of him. Watch what it says. That when you receive the word of God, which you heard of us, just vessels, men of God, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which works, which effectually works in you, also in you that believe. If you don't believe that, you, that it's necessary for you to come, it's the word working effectually in you. Is it having a proper effect? No. Why? Is there a wrong cause that got in the way? Is there a wrong cause? Now, the blind. Remember how those blind verses that we just, that God just had us read together? How then should I understand those things? This is 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 1. Therefore seeing. <laughs> you notice that? You see that word seeing there? The seeing. What did the blind man do the second time? How did he see? He, see, he saw everyone clearly. First he had to see himself clearly by seeing in the Lord. Then he could see all others clearly. Do you know what that speaks about? His life wasn't just about himself. He was esteeming others better than himself in Philippians 2 and verse 3. Look not on your own things. God Almighty. 
Look not on your own things, but on the things of others. That's local assembly, body principle. 1 Corinthians 12, 12, all the way through to verse 27. Members in particular in 1 Corinthians 12, 27, but make up the one whole. In a local assembly, that beautiful expression of who he is in each individual as they come together in fellowship, as they esteem one another better than themselves. Why don't certain individuals come to hear the word? Why? Why? Now, God knows our frame. He knows our circumstance and situations. Why, though, when we have the opportunity to do so and don't do it, what would be the reason why? Because we esteem ourselves better than the local assembly, than the word, over above, over and above Christ and fellowship and the word. And we just think it's just a, just a man preaching the word. Just a man. Well, 2 Corinthians 4.1, Therefore seeing, notice that we have this ministry. Listen, every single one of us have this ministry in a local assembly, not apart from it, not with our own plans, not going here and there and everywhere. Doing it together in a local assembly. If you don't believe me, read Acts the second chapter. When the local assemblies were being formed, what they did, they did together. They didn't do it independent. Our own plans, own schedules. It's very clear in the word of God this morning. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. We don't give up. We don't quit but have renounced the hidden things of what? Shame. I don't know, is there any shame in our own plans, our own way, our own thoughts? Is there shame involved? Is there any shame in who we are in Christ in Hebrews 2.11 and 12? No. God forbid that we should be ashamed. Again, God forbid that, that we should be ashamed. We should not be ashamed. That is not our proper place in Christ. It most certainly is not. It isn't. But here is the facts in 2 Timothy 1, verse 12. For this cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. You know, we, suffering righteously and suffering the right way, there's no shame. Sh- suffering the wrong way, wrong decisions, wrong plans, wrong thoughts bring in a lot of shame. These things, nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have, what? Trusted. You see, believed in certain, no, trusted. I trust the word. I trust his direction. I don't trust myself, my own plans, my own thoughts, what I think I can do and what I think I can't do. (laughs) Steaming others, like I'm going to do tomorrow, Saturday. By the grace of Almighty God, for I know whom I have trusted in and am persuaded. He's persuaded me. He's touched my eyes. He's persuaded me that he is that ability that I only have as I submit to him to keep and guard that which I have committed unto him against that particular day. Hold fast. In verse 13, the form of what? The form of sound words which you have heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. Back to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry together as one, since we have it, not our own plans, since we have that, I don't know why we think that. That hasn't changed. Local assembly has not changed. It has not changed. Neither has the word of God changed. Seeing, therefore, we have this ministry. But do we still see if, if there are still hidden things that we haven't dealt with that cause shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully? When would we do that? 
We may be able to declare the word, but when that word that Christ is we haven't submitted to, and knowing that we should do so, we handle it deceitfully, and to handle the word deceitfully is to do it under the prince and power of the air, still in Ephesians 2, 2, by him who deceives the whole world in Revelations 12 and verse 9, and he, he, he literally controls us, can and can inhabit us where Christ was still his, but experientially he controls us like he controls the world through deception. And then if that deception being dealt with in a local assembly through the word is rejected, then comes the accusation. All the excuses and reasons why. In Revelations 12 and verse 10, and it usually in a local assembly has to do with the enemy getting a hold of one individual who's not, hasn't renounced the hidden things of shame, walks in craftiness, and uses the word to accuse another believer. He doesn't understand. Well, but by manifestation in 2 Corinthians 4, truth. Listen, by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Listen, verse 3. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. It is hid. It is hid to them that are lost. That's who it's hid to. Them that are lost. Blind. Their own plans, their own thoughts, their own desires. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. And if they're lost, and you're with them, and they're leading you, you're both going into the pit where there's a lot of noise and confusion. And the word becomes very, very confusing in the pit. Because God, in 1 Corinthians 14, 40, dissolved things decently and in order. And his order today, folks, is local assembly. Not private plans. I'm going to make that crystal clear this morning. I don't understand. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Could that be a believer? Could it be a Christian? In whom the God of this world, in this particular context, it's brought out clearly, he's the religious God of the world. What's the religious God of the world cause a believer to do? In 2 Peter 1 and verse 20, to privately interpret the word. Why? Not proper teaching in a proper setting, in a proper order, which is God's local assembly. Period. Period, folks. Period. Period. In whom the God, the religious God of this world, has blinded the minds of them which believe not. Does he blind them? necessarily the wicked evil. No, just a private interpretation of themselves, of God, of the local assembly where God has called them in using their circumstances and situations to make their own plans. And then you end up in a ditch. Well, has blinded the minds of them which believe not, which refuse to. You know in Hosea 4, 6, it says, Jesus, through the prophet Hosea is speaking to his, his people, Israel, and he says to them, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Because you've rejected me, I will also reject you from reigning as king. You're not going to be able to reign in your life. You think you can use your thoughts, your, your circumstances, your private interpretation of the word, and think you can reign yourself. You can't. And when it says that my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge, it's not that they didn't have it. It's that they had it and rejected it. Knowing what to do and not doing it in James 4, verse 17. And this is clear, folks. This is very clear this morning. In James 4, 17, to him that knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. And in Psalm 51 and verse 4, uh, what is sin in God's eyes? It is evil. It's evil. And we can make it something less than that through a private interpretation of the word. In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the very image of God, should shine unto them. I don't even have a proper image anymore. I don't even know who I am. Nothing makes sense anymore. Does it even make sense? Why? 
Has God changed? Has the word changed? Or has the believer in their experience changed through exchanging something other than Christ? Treasuring something in their heart, treasuring it up, something other than Jesus Christ and the word coming and hearing it as a local assembly as one. As one. For we preach not ourselves. The light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who was the image of God, should continually shine unto them proper image. Proper seeing. No longer seeing men as trees. Huh. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I see that guy. Yeah, I know. Tree, you know. Mm-hmm. No, seeing everyone clearly. You're not going to see anything clearly. And I'm not going to see anyone or anything clearly until I see Christ. And when I see Christ, I see who he's made me to be. And when I see who he's made me to be, now I see believers in that local assembly who he made them to be. And then we have Christ between us. And then we set aside in fellowship in 1 John 1, verse 3, proper fellowship, setting aside private interests. God called me to do this. I know he wants me to do that. Setting aside private interest and desires for the benefit of the whole. Boy, when I don't like to hear certain things about that flesh, boy, oh, there'll be a thousand reasons why I can't be there anymore. Got news for you. Time to grow up. Time to grow up. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants, for Jesus' sake. We serve one another, not our own private interests, not our own private desires, our private plans. We don't do that. We don't do it. We just don't do it. Because you know what? We can live just like the world, the unsaved world, or the untaught world. And, and through teaching, hearing the enemy privately interpret the word to us, we can live just like the mass of many and then deny God. You know what happens when, we do, when, when the enemy deceives us as believers? You know what he does when he deceives us? That deception causes us to deny. You know what deny means? We, I don't need this particular thing right now. I'm all set. I'm all set. Everything's set. I got everything set in the details of my life, my plans. The details of life. Matthew 6, 19 to 34. How about verse 33? How about seek first the kingdom of God, his reigning and ruling through the word. And then all these other things will be added unto me. I, I, what do believers think? Honestly, tell me truthfully. I go here, I go there, I minister here, I minister. Yeah, but do you do it in a local assembly? Oh, okay, so then, so basically, you're a lone ranger. You are a lone ranger. You're an alone ranger. I feel it's my call to do that. When did God call you outside of a body, a local assembly? You tell me. Oh, I feel like he's leading me here, he's leading me there. I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. There's need. Yeah, there's need everywhere, but your need and my need, first and foremost, is to be in a local assembly, part of a local assembly, and to be taught the Word of God. That is Ephesians, the fourth chapter. And watch the flow in those 32 verses. Watch it. For God in and as we wrap this up, for God in 2 Corinthians 4, 6, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. Are there areas of darkness in our life? What does that mean? For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, not just talking about the creative times in Genesis, the first chapter, but in type bringing much more to us in darkness. What is that? How should I properly interpret that? Well, here's the scriptures on that. Here it is, in Ephesians, the fifth chapter. Here's Ephesians chapter 5. And here it is, folks. Here it is this morning. 
Verse 6 of Ephesians 5, let no man deceive you with vain words. You don't need the body. You don't need the word. Now, you have you and God. That's enough. With vain words, for because of these things come the wrath of God upon the children of what? Unbelief. Disobedience here is unbelief, by the way. I don't, I don't believe I need to do it. I can have God here. I don't, I don't believe that I need to do that. I don't believe I need to submit to those that Christ in his love has used as guides to lead me to him, to Christ, in, in Hebrews 13, 17, you know. And furthermore, I, I believe in my deception that God's left it up to me to find my own guides, which is incorrect. Let no man, I don't care who he is, deceive you with vain words. For because of these things come the wrath of God upon the, what, the children of what? Unbelief, disobedience. Be not you therefore partakers with them. It could be a Christian who's backslidden. Don't be a partaker of them. Now, we can't go there, but we'll, we'll invite you and fellowship with you here. Don't be a partaker of them. Period. You're in the way of God doing a work. They need to be alone. Four, you were sometimes darkness. You, you operated in, in areas of ignorance and rebellion. Read 1 Samuel 15, verse 23. But now are you light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving, testing what is acceptable unto the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. No, I'm afraid I might offend them. Well, aren't you special, and wouldn't I be special? Reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. Secret plans, secret thoughts. About enough of that. But all things that are reproved, reproved there is the word discovered. That's the word. All things are discovered that are discovered are made manifest by the light. Yeah, but I don't want them to be discovered. I enjoy my secret life. I enjoy my secret plans. I enjoy my secret fellowship. Because it's all about me. And what God is doing with me. And how he's using me, apart from a local assembly. Nonsense. Yeah, you heard me. Nonsense. Absolute nonsense. But all things are discovered that are discovered and made manifest... By the light. For whatsoever does make manifest is light. Wherefore, he says, awake you that are sleeping on your own plans, your own thoughts. Yeah, hey, yeah, I miss you. Yeah, I really miss you. Yeah, I know. Sure you do. Sure you do. No, you don't. You're too busy with your own plans. Wherefore, he says, awake you that sleep and arise from the dead, spiritually dead, separated from Christ, and Christ will give you light. Then see then that you walk circumspectly, not as a fool, his self-confidence is in himself, his own opinions and his own private interpretations in 2 Peter 1 and verse 20, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And if you make plans and I make plans outside of Christ, you tell me what they would be. They would be evil. Now, I'm going to close this. Nothing, nothing replaces him. Nothing. Nothing replaces nothing that's of any value, replaces coming and hearing the Word of God. Nothing. And it doesn't mean that there's going to be certain things with some of us that are health issues or certain jobs and work. Yes, but when we have the opportunity to do it, we should do it. And that includes, and, and that will exclude, making it clear this morning, private plans. And I do mean that fully. 
And there's those that have walked and loved the scriptures and walked in them and been blessed by them for decades, but still don't have this complete understanding of body life. Still thinking that, that, you know, off they go in their own plans. Nonsense. Scripturally, nonsense. Not foundational. I want to say it again. It's not foundational. And if there is a question about this, and you do have a question about this, please, please meet with me, and I will help you with this as God helps us. And you can show me where you think you get what you think God desires you to do. And I, and you will use the scriptures, and then I will do the same and use the scriptures and show you also. And then we'll see, hopefully, where we meet in Christ as one. You and I do wisely, walk in wisdom, when we seek Jesus Christ himself first. And that happens, folks, through the preaching and teaching of the word. That is 1 Thessalonians, as we shared, 2 and verse 13. There's no question about that. Because he himself, Christ himself in the scriptures. I don't, you don't go to the scriptures to get theology and to become a scholar and to get certain degrees. You go there to find the only one, Christ himself, who is the golden thread. The unification of every scripture, prophecy and otherwise. Everything about it. And you don't live by someone else as your author. Yourself or the self-life of another believer. You do not do it. And I don't do it. But Christ himself. Men of faith. Men and women of faith. Listen to me. Men and women of absolute dependence upon Christ and his word will be content to accept without question the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ himself through his word. Be content. Be very, very content. Thank God it's the Lord himself. The Lord himself. You know what? I'm going to close with this. And I'm going to read two more scriptures and close with, with a little explanation as God leads us and takes that revelation and illuminates it for all of us. This is Isaiah 61 and verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty, freedom to the captives, those that are captive, held captive by Satan according to their own unsubmitted will, in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 26, and the opening of the prisons to them that are bound, the prison of of selfishness, the prison of me, myself, and I first. Hmm to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, listen to me, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn. What makes us mourn? Our own plans, our own thoughts. Putting ourselves ahead of God. If I put myself ahead of the body of Christ, I, I put myself ahead of Christ. And that is revealed in local assemblies. No question about that again. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes. What are ashes? My own thoughts, my own plans that amount to nothing, that amount to absolutely nothing in in exchange for the beauty of who he is in the word. Do you know in Matthew 24 and verse 35 and Isaiah 40 verse 8, heaven and earth will pass away? be changed, but my word will not pass away. How is it that a young man will cleanse his way? How? How? By taking heed thereunto according to the word in Psalm 119 verse 9. Your word have I hid in my heart. Treasured it up. Your word first in Psalm 119 11. That I might not sin against you. That I might not have my own will and plans this morning. And you may think, you may think that it's needs of others that God is leading you to, but you best be sure that it has to do with that local assembly. 
that he's called you in. I'm going to make that clear again this morning. And then if God does call you to do such and such, we as a local assembly who are one with you will pray with you and in that sense by spirit go with you. But not separate. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Spirit of heaviness, my own plans. <sighs> my own thoughts. That they might be called, uh-oh, trees of righteousness. Now I know and see men, clearly, because he's made me look up this time. In Mark 8, verse 25. And now, because I see me clearly, because I see him first, now I can see every man. They're not just trees. They're men of righteousness. Men of righteousness. Oh, Christians get so earthbound in their thoughts and in their so-called Christianity, not realizing that we are heavenly people. That they might be called, in Isaiah 61, 3, trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. That who? Whose glory? His glory. Mine? My glory? And then this is it, Luke 4. I'm going to make this clear. God's making, when I say I want to make this clear, please understand me. I'm not making anything clear to me, aside from the Holy Spirit, taking the word that Christ is and making it very clear in my sight. Luke chapter 4. Verse 16, he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, in other words, he was used to doing this, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read the scriptures. You know, it was the scriptures every day. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. He has appointed me. And that appointment means an anointment, by the way. He, he's anointed to do so. He's appointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, those that know that everything about them, they are poor apart from Christ, no matter how many riches and material things that they have stored up. To the poor, spiritually bankrupt. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. I experienced that in the most precious way in Peabody, Massachusetts on Sunday. To heal the brokenhearted as he was healing me. And his love and healing was flowing out through me to others and we were all one. To heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at freedom, liberty, them that are bruised to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Verse 20, and he closed the book. He gave it again to the minister and sat down, and the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. He had their full, he had their full sight, their full occupation, their full thought, their full mind. And he said unto them, like he says today, and like he's saying today when the word is being preached, this day is this scripture fulfilled in, your, in your, uh, your ears. This day, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. And all bore him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And yet, they still saw him as just Joseph's son. How do we see each other? How do we see each other in Christ? Just men walking like trees? Or do we see each other clearly? Do I have a local assembly where I go to constantly? Did you know that everything that, that happens in a local assembly, you shouldn't even go out to do anything else unless you're established in a local assembly. And boy, that takes decades for some to understand. And I do mean decades. Decades to understand that. They all bore him witness. You know what it says in Luke 4, 21? It says this day. Do you know how many are missing what could be the, theirs? Listen, 
this day, right now, right now. Jesus said in John 12, 35 and 36, in a little while you have the light. Walk while you have the light, receive it. Lest darkness come upon you. Notice that? He said, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Do you know that? And I wrote this down and I'll close with that. The same word spoken of him, right now, like this morning, and by him through the power of the Holy Spirit, spoken to all their hearing, whoever would come and hear. He speaks intimately and precisely to each individual in a way that only he can, to meet them in fellowship and to meet their own particular need. Past, present, and most important is the present and future. Because if he's not my present, I, don't, I function in the past or I want to function in the future. I need to hear that word today. And I want to say this in this most beautiful way, like the Holy Spirit told Paul to write this. And I am telling you, I experienced the word flowing and being received, listen to me, being actually received by people in Peabody, Massachusetts, like I haven't seen it, heard it, felt it in years. And here's the reason why. Because in Acts 17 and verse 11, it says this, these were more noble. They were functioning in the nobility of the image of Christ as their own image individually. Nobility. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether these things were so. He was to, they were more noble. The Christians in Berea were more noble in understanding and receiving the word than even those in Thessaloniki. Better? No. Better off? Yes. Yes. Thank you for your word this morning and for the hearing of it. Thank you for the hearing. And hearing always speaks of, of receiving and submitting to it. Father, thank you for this reality. May it go deep into our, uh, each of us, our own consciousness, so that we have a cleansed conscience and a clear view of who you are, who we are, and who others are. In Jesus' name, amen.